everybody. Welcome back to the show. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and spent some time with family, got some deer hunting in maybe. Um, I'm getting ready to head out here in just a little bit to take one of my little cousins hunting. Looking forward to that. Uh, this is a good show. I'm excited to share it with you. We were, me and Dan were joined by a couple other guys, Jeff and Eric, who you probably saw on the, some of the deer drive videos uh, Dan puts up. Also, Eric, he's in the videos pretty uh, consistently. So, oh yeah, and Dave, Greenhorn Dave got on too. Don't want to forget Dave. Um, yeah, it was a freaking awesome episode. We had a really good time. I kind of want to do more of those uh, bigger group episodes. Um, Dan, Eric, and Jeff have been deer driving all week out there in Wisconsin. Been doing a lot of gun hunting, and we kind of talked about that. We talked about a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, probably the main thing we talked about, honestly, was some of the stuff that's been going on in like the deer hunting community right now with some of these accidents that have been happening uh, during gun season. It seems like gun season brings out the, the best in people, <laughs> or the worst, rather, I guess. Um, so we talked about some of that stuff, and it was a good one. We also got into a really good conversation at the end about how to get kids into the outdoors. That is something I'm kind of passionate about, so don't uh, don't turn it off early. Anyway, I was going to tell everybody, I don't have any ads for you guys this week. Um, but if you could do me a huge favor, go into the description or go on YouTube and search Before the Echo and subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit the like button if you like what we're doing. Leave me a comment in there and tell, tell us if you like what we're doing. That All, all that stuff uh, really helps. Um, the more that stuff happens, the more YouTube uh, realizes that the people like what we're doing and they uh, recommend it to people and that makes us grow which is a super important um, and it's the best way to support the podcast go over to my instagram uh, on B before the echo hunting and give me a follow there i don't do a very good job of of keeping up on that but um, it seems like i'm getting better and better about it anywho um, that's it thanks everybody for the support and let's get into the episode Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I wanted to say that. Hey, I forgot. I forgot. Uh, you guys can see we got a couple extra co-hosts tonight. Jeff and Eric are, are with us. The, hey, Jeff, Dan, here. Hey, <laughs> Dan. I think uh, we got one more coming on. I think uh, Greenhorn Dave's getting on, too. He just hasn't gotten on yet, so we had to start without him. But I haven't seen you guys in a couple hours. <laughs> That's, it's been a minute. In, in oh. a time, in a time I saw you, I made uh, some fresh backstrap on the grill tonight. Nice, nice. Excellent. I don't think I've ever grilled it so fresh. Oh heck yeah! Fresh well, that's a good, good. That's a good sign, man. If you guys got some fresh venison to to grill up tonight. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're going to talk about these guys been hunting together all week, so we were going to get on and just. I don't know what's going on up in Wisconsin. So I was, I'm pretty well blind like the audience is. So figure just getting a conversation about what you guys have been up to. But first we were going to talk about like some new stuff that came out in like the hunting world. Um, that just has happened just really since gun season has came about. Um, but uh, it's all seemed like it happens up in Wisconsin every year for, for some reason. <laughs> it's like every time I hear like a horror story about hunting, it's like, up in uh whatever green lake county wisconsin you know it's just like <laughs> um 
anyway, there was a. Did you guys see the article uh, about the kid that got the that giant buck stolen off their property? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that thing was a giant too. Oh, it was a big deer. Yeah. Had like I, all kinds of kickers and drop a drop time. I thought I read it was his first deer. You it know, was, the good he, thing is he took a picture of it after he killed yeah. it, but then he had gone back to the uh, to the house. Mm-hmm. You know, to get, to get the stuff to go fetch the deer or whatever. It's on his own property. And yeah. he come back and the deer's gone. Yeah. It sounded like they, they him and his dad maybe been hunting together and he went to get his grandpa or something um, and get stuff to get the deer and take care of it and got back and it wasn't there. But uh, it, they got it back pretty quick, though. Like, um, seemed like, I you know, I don't, there wasn't much details in the article about how they got it back, but it was shared on Facebook a whole bunch of times and then. Um, yeah, anybody yeah, who steals a trophy deer is stealing it to brag. So when they brag, they're going to get caught because nowadays yeah. it spreads like wildfire. Yeah. And I think that person didn't realize that the person had pictures of that buck. Yeah. Because a picture of antlers is so identifiable. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it wouldn't take very long, I guess, for uh, for that to come out. In this world, at least, you know, it's like it's on social media and stuff. So. Yeah, it was it was shared over four thousand times on social media. Yeah, we got to add just, Dave now. I just don't understand. Hey, hey Dave, you're on I, mute, Dave. I don't understand the purpose behind stealing something like that because, I mean, what do you do? You take that deer head home, and and, and what do you tell your friends that you shot it and brag that you shot it, and you got to come up with a story and yep. You know, where do you get where do you get any kind of pride out of something like that? I just it just some people are prideless. Yeah, it's 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 hard to fathom. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I bet he felt pretty bad too when he found out some little some boy shot out for his first buck, you know. Yeah. Hey, I Dave. shot a really big six pointer one time and uh I was in a drive with some with a friend invited me and I didn't know anybody else. And uh, a guy in the drive uh, unloaded on it after I shot it. I shot it through the chest, and he hit it in the leg, and it ran out in the field. He ran over and uh, claimed it. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was a really big six. It was like 130s. Oh, geez. Hey, Dave, you're on mute. <laughs> I see you keep talking. <laughs> no one say anything. Life's better when Dave's on mute. There you go. We just yeah. don't tell Dave the entire show, and he just sits there and talks, and he's like, "This, this might this might be the first time I've seen Dave without a hat on." Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, he looks weird. Put a hat <laughs> on. Really. Is this uh, better. There you go. Anyways. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I have I, hair though. Hey, easy. My, uh, I had something. My my very first. Uh, deer i shot when i was nine it was a pretty nice deer it's actually right uh let's see here this one right here it's all busted up and the mounts whatever 23 years old now but it uh i shot it and a guy after i shot it a guy um sitting like 100 yards from me shot it as it, it was running by and uh and uh rolled it um luckily he was like very like he's like i just shot it again because i didn't want you to lose and i ended up i ended up hitting it really good it just was you know he wasn't very far from me but uh i had a kind of a scare i can remember that pretty vividly when i was little um obviously my first deer but it was all yeah. good i mean I hit, him, I hit him right in the behind the shoulder and he hit him right here in the neck 
So I could imagine what that little boy was feeling when it was actually gone. You know, yeah. I, I have a similar story. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like quite like a, the buck that this kid shot, but it was the first deer I had ever shot. It was just over three inches on the antlers. So it, it was legally a buck. Um, and I, I was on public ground and I had another hunter approach my stand and he said, I heard you shoot. What did you shoot? And I explained it to him. And that was my first time actually ever tracking a deer. And, um, I wasn't sure exactly what I was doing. And this guy, he walked me along with him. We tracked that deer. And at the time I was, I think I was 13 years old and we, we found the deer and, uh, the guy was real grizzly, big guy. He had a huge beard and, you know, I'm 13 years old and he goes, you know, I found this deer. This, this should be my deer. He says, really? <laughs> because he found it, you know, and that was pretty intimidating to me as a kid. So, yeah, right. at, at 13, what are you going to do to him? Right, right. You know? Yep, he's probably yeah. 6'2 and a large beard and just stocky as can be. So, anyway, I thought I'd just share was that. He serious? But, was he yeah, serious? He was serious. He was serious. Yep. Yep. That's weird. That's weird to like get you down. I thought like your story didn't end how I thought it was going to. I thought he was like, I thought he was like, going to, uh, like, I thought he was a like, nice guy that was helping yeah, you. Yeah, like mentoring you. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> yeah. Give you a life oh, lesson. Not turn out like that. It was an odd situation. Oh, that would be yeah. weird when you're say, young. Does anybody yeah. know you're hunting out here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to be just thrilled. That's the first deer I ever shot. Um, I ended up did taking them home, so um, we got that all worked out. But. So it wasn't like the movie Airplane where he asked if you like gladiator movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh man you guys that that went over my head that must be uh yeah. <laughs> that must be like a that must be like an 80s movie or something it was about. it was okay all right josh you gotta put that one on your watch list airplane pretty funny it is pretty funny uh, but anyways. yeah so we had i don't know how much uh y'all got into it but we had a we had a good time today um, we're doing news right now dave Okay. We'll get to it. We'll get to it, Dave. Sounds good. Well, it was fun. Huh? There's, there's your, uh, there's we'll your get to, yeah. intro. We'll get to it. <laughs> anyway, so that was one story we were going to talk about. So uh, another one, this isn't a news story. It didn't come out in the news or anything, but we had a comment on the one of the uh, videos this week. There's a guy from Ohio that was hunting some public land. Uh, in Ohio, it's bow season still. Um, but anyway... He was sitting there. He wasn't very far off the the road. I think he's like yeah, he was. Doing, he said he was hunting like uh, um, one of those uh, like overlook spots right alongside the parking lot. Exactly. Yeah. And heard a vehicle um, pull up, you know, in the parking lot. And uh, shortly later, he heard two gunshots, and then that was the end of it. And he, uh, you know, what? Maybe it is gun season in in Ohio. I don't know. Either way. Got done, got done hunting, went back to his truck, and someone shot both his tires out. Yeah, he said he heard uh, people talking. They got out of their car, they were talking, then he heard them shoot, and he was like, what are they shooting at in the parking lot? Yeah. And then he didn't think nothing of it. He blew it off, and then he came out. I mean, he was really close. Uh, you know, and he probably could have ran out there and caught the guys, but literally, I don't know if you want to catch him because uh, right, right. that's yeah. a pretty shady person. I mean, you can spend time in prison for doing something like that. So, obviously... Those are some pretty bad dudes. Yeah, it makes you wonder why, right? Was it, oh, yeah. you're in our spot, or were they, and there's just so many 
people can be just such wackos these days for a whole bunch of reasons, but uh, it's kind of better that maybe it was better that he was by his stand if they were just, who knows. You know, yeah. a lot of guys are uh, putting uh, trail cameras over their uh, vehicles now. Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a common thing now. Hmm. Yeah, you can, I think you can get one for your vehicle too, just like a, like a motion censored camera that pops on if something happens or if it's something if your uh, vehicle like shakes or something like that but um, yeah I couldn't imagine it. I, the guy you could tell in the comment he was very frustrated because it didn't sound like maybe he was, he'd been hunting that much or uh, whatever and now he has two blown tires that he has to spend whatever what are tires right now he probably has to spend freaking 500 $600 for two tires Easily, yeah. Depends on the vehicle, yeah, but yeah, at least two hundred bucks, probably. If you're if you're driving a pickup, it's going to be a A pickup. Yeah, yeah. What's also terrible about it is you only have one spare, so you can't even drive home. Yeah, (laughs) they're they must have been calculated about what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Have you guys had anything uh, weird? Go ahead, Dan. When I shot the Rome Legend buck, that was uh, I think that's the bucket. It was my second buck of the year. I'm not sure if that was the one or not. I think it was because it was earn a buck back then. Mm -hmm. So you could shoot multiple bucks by having shot multiple does. So I shot two bucks with my bow, uh, both good ones. Um, And uh, two guys uh, approached Carol, my wife, while she was shopping and uh, at a gas station and uh, threatened harm to her. And uh, said they were going to come burn the house down and stuff. And I mean, had her cornered and, and uh, she called me up in tears and I was like, call the police, you know, and I, I tried to run over there, but she's too far away. But uh, I mean, people get weird over hunting spots and stuff, you know, yeah, pretty, pretty possessive. That made me so angry. When that happened. You know, yeah, probably a good thing I wasn't close by because I'd have probably got myself in trouble. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. It make you turn red. Did uh, have you guys had? I was, I was getting ready to ask this question, Dan. Kind of already answered. Have you guys had anything like that happen to you guys? Like bad experiences in parking lots or while you're out messing with the around? vehicles or anything? Yeah, I can't say I really have. No, I, I I've never really had that happen. I haven't either. I we had a uh, I have a uh, a friend here um, locally that they got they were on a hunting trip and someone broke into their trailer that they were using to haul their gear and stole the whole trailer hmm. all four of their i think there's four of them all four of their bows all four of their stands every single piece of the trailer got um loaded up in the back of a truck or something and they took off wow broke into it yeah that 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 run a trip pretty quick oh yeah yeah but yeah I so have... i don't i haven't had a lot of weird things i mean i don't run into all that many people if like if there's a parking lot they have a, in an area where it's kind of defined i'll just move on right and i won't won't uh, try to do that most people generally are pretty respectful of that yeah um, there was actually one guy that um it was weekend before gun season uh i pulled in someone pulled in and left you know when they saw me there but another guy pulled up and then we wound up talking he wound up recognizing a B, the b stand he was like hey you got a b stand and uh all that kind of stuff and uh he, he even uh 
you know said oh weren't you in some video i'm like yeah i've been in a couple of videos but um <laughs> it's kind of funny how people see that stuff and he was an older guy probably uh i forget what he said he'd been hunting in this one area for like 35 years or whatever and he was checking the camp so it's like you know you might run into freaks but then you run it you do run into good people yeah. too so and it's such not it's easy to guys, for those uh, bad guys to stand out but there's also real good guys too i think the guy's name was great what happened to miles keller mm -mm. miles keller uh was going to a, a deer show and on this is back quite a ways but he at the time he had the world's record for the most pope and young bucks and he was taking his deer heads to a show and while he was in the show registering somebody stole this trailer full of deer heads and he never he never ever got any of them back well that's terrible um, I talked to him uh, after that, and he had said that uh, the authorities thought because he was down in Texas or something like that, that he, they thought that they st stole it for smuggling across the border because they kept stealing trailers for that. And they probably just dumped the heads out in the desert someplace. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lifetime of hard work, blood, sweat. Yeah. Yeah, back in those days, nobody did replicas and stuff like that, no. too. No, well, he's yeah. unfortunately he was the kind of he was the one that uh, helped teach him that they should use replicas, right? You need bad, unfortunately, a bad experience, right? Yeah, but nobody's gonna replicate a 135 inch, you know, if it's just right. you know, no. young, no. Uh, you exactly. know so. no. yeah, yeah, true. That anyway, yeah, that bad. would suck. That was like bad. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had many, many bad experiences. I've, the only thing I've had happen is like. A guy, a particular area around here, there's a guy that had like a permanent stand on public that was not very far from the parking lot. And he would sit there and he would like act like, and this is like a thousand acres, you know, and he would sit, you know, in the first 30 acres of the place. And like, he would get so upset about people walking through there. I'm like, dude, you can't put a permanent stand right here and and kind of think you have blocked the, the rest right. of the 970 acres that are here. We ran that, into that, that guy the other day. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but yeah, he had like a he had a big ladder stand out there, and I was just like, oh my gosh. We 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 uh we were coming out of the woods, and there's a a hiking trail put through the woods for the public to hike on. Yeah. And the guy was sitting on the hiking trail, hunting. He got upset because we walked past him, and, and stormed out of the woods. It's but he was probably trail. a much better hunter than all of us because he had a deer picture on the side of his truck. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, but, and he, he, he left at prime time, too. I mean, yeah, he stormed out of there. And it's not, yeah. not like we did any damage. We just walked past. Me and, and Eric, a, me and Eric trail. were just talking. Oh. It's, yeah. a, it's like a road, right? It's not a trail where you think of like a walking it's, trail, right? Yeah, it's cr it's, 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 it's fully gravel. You yeah. could fit any one of our vehicles on it. That's how yeah, wide the thing is. And he was literally like, two feet off of it me and eric are sitting there talking away talking away and it's like oh there's a guy there <laughs> you know, you just know. keep storming out of the woods. yeah he, he, he gave the stink eye over in our direction i can tell you that yeah, yeah he didn't look too happy no but he left what time was it that was like 3 30 right I yeah mean, it was like closing time yeah i don't think we ruined his hunt any more than he did by the spot he was sitting yeah <laughs> yeah it wasn't ideal yeah. No, and unfortunately, you know, you know, the more time you spend in that spot, you're like, okay, well, I'm. You just want to tell people, like, I know you're sitting in here. I'm sure you're enjoying it, but like, you really don't have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's one more story that 
came out this week and it was uh, and then we'll get into the deer hunting stuff guys but uh it was a sad one man like i think and this was this was in green lake county uh wisconsin someone shot a 11 year old boy um when they're hunting party inside of their pickup whenever they were um there was some, some there was some kind of a unloading of the firearm and the firearm went off shot him in the chest through the back um isn't that right, Dan? You, Dan ran a different, read a different article than I did. It sounded like yeah, it had a. There was another article that came out that uh, said the details more because when the first article came out, I was wondering how do you sit in the back seat, mm-hmm. unloading a, a loaded firearm and discharge it through the chest of the person sitting next to you? I was like, that doesn't even sound possible. It almost sounds like it was intentional, but it turns out that the kid wasn't in the vehicle. He was outside of the vehicle and the guy shot through the door and hit the kid in the chest. Um, and they didn't say how related, but it was a family member. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was literally inside of a vehicle after a hunt unloading his, his rifle while sitting in the vehicle. You just, you wonder what goes through somebody's mind, you know, in a packed in a vehicle trying to unload a uh, firearm. Now he's got to live with that for the rest of his life with a family member, and he's got to live with his family members after doing that. And it's just uh, the whole thing is just tragic. I mean, yeah. stuff like that shouldn't happen. No, I mean, you, you can never be careful enough. I mean, your mind should always be where is that muzzle pointed. And and quite honestly, I I don't have the see. I, I don't turn the safety off until I'm ready to pull that trigger, and I make sure yeah. that. I'm the same. I'm the same way, Eric. Yeah, and it, and yep. even if I don't pull it, the safety goes right back on. Yeah, those are the things yeah. you have to do. If you forget to flip the safety and you miss a deer, that's that's worth it. You know. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like that's just a that's a mechanical device. Like it, that gun needs to be unloaded whenever you're back at the vehicle, and especially oh, if, you, yeah, absolutely. if you got a bunch of kids and to be unloaded before you're even to the parking lot. Right. You know, if you're on public and I mean, if you're at your property before you're in a vehicle, I mean, you don't get in a vehicle with a loaded firearm. Period. And, and, no. and not to mention even just muzzle awareness. Right. I mean, if, yeah. if you're, if you're doing anything right, it should be pointed at the ground. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, they seem like the, so, so such basic things and they, gen- they generally are, maybe this person did it in the excitement of the hunt. They just forgot, but I mean, you just can't make those mistakes. No. You know, I was never a fan of uh, hunter safety. I always figured everybody knew enough to be safe. But literally, when they uh, started doing hunter safety in Wisconsin, the accident numbers went down so dramatically that it yep. obviously makes a difference. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I can tell you from my experience having my two sons, Dan, you know, both. They mm-hmm. both went through it. And the area, the, the group that handled uh, the hunter safety class, they had the, the students handling some form of a gun every single day in that class, whether it be a shotgun, a rifle, a handgun. Um, so they got used to each type. They were, they had one guy had lever action. Another guy had a pump back and, and my kids both handled every gun in there and they're very safe with when they're handling them. Yeah. Yeah. You need that. Yeah, you you know Mentors are too. So, I mean, the hunter safety probably really is a good thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They get, they get some good guys from, from what I've seen personally. Well, and you yeah. know what, hunter safety too. Sometimes you have a kid that wants to hunt, but his dad maybe didn't hunt, or his grandpa didn't hunt. Who is he supposed to learn from if he doesn't have a mentor? Right. Yeah. Right. So in that situation too, I think hunter safety is a great thing. 
Yeah, I think it is. It sounds like, though, in this case, it was just a complete, complete negligence, right? I mean, that's the only way you can put it as for why it happened, what was behind it. Um, yeah, could know, have all the knowledge in the world, but it just make, you know, one or two dumb mistakes and you change history for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Ruin a lot of people's lives. Yep. Yep. Um, my uncle had a, uh, this has been not that long ago, a couple few years ago, but he had a 30 out six that, uh, the, somehow the safety malfunction and he was walking through the woods or through the, through an open cornfield and it, like with the sling, a gun over a sling and his gun went off or gun over his shoulder on his, with the sling and his gun went off and fired in the air. Um, and my dad actually fixed the gun for him, but it was like, there was something wrong with the the safety. It was like doing something and caused it to, I don't know what happened. Um, but you just never know. You can't trust any of that stuff. You gotta be like, like Dave right. said, like muzzle awareness is like so important because you know, he could have been, who knows, you know, you don't know if that would have went off at the right time when someone was around or, you know, luckily he was just pointing, you know, straight up in the air is not the most ideal, <laughs> uh, place right. to throw a bull either, but, it's like, man, at least he was by himself and there wasn't, you know, he wasn't someone behind him or something and he had it lower than he should have or something crazy. But yeah, yeah. anyway, um, yeah, be safe people. Yeah. We want to talk about that one because it, it's a hard one to talk about. It sucks, for bad, sure. but it's like, it's good. It's good for people to hear those stories when they happen. Cause it's like, that could have been anybody, you know, yep. I'm sure that, yep. I'm sure that feller that shot that kid probably wouldn't expect him to do that that day, you know? Yeah. Um, Anyway, all right, that's enough of the the newsworthy stuff. I think we that's kind of fun to do that. We should uh, we should do news stuff more often. We had that idea at one point in time, kind of got away from it, mostly because we were busy hunting and stuff. But um, maybe if you guys comment sometimes, if, if you hear something good that want you want us to talk about or think it'd be good newsworthy stuff in the hunting industry, <laughs> let us know. Um. Anyway, so what you fellers been up to? You're We've been uh, deer, deer driving, droning our friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> water, water we, we did uh, deer drives today. Um, it was a fun time. Um, uh, we only got one done. Um, we intended to do three. Um, but it takes Dave six hours to set up a tree stand. <laughs> no, five and a half, Dan. You're exaggerating. Five million hours. <laughs> yeah uh, we uh put up a lot of deer in that drive but we kind of expected yeah. that we saw that a lot were going in there in the snow we just didn't have enough people to do it and uh i know we didn't see all the deer i mean because way more we put up than came out and generally the ones that get away are the big ones we just need more guys to to push this stuff i mean five guys on a very large piece of structure to drive means you only have two guys pushing when there should be like four or five and right and then, uh, we've, we've talked about guys surrounding it we've talked about in the past i think jeff um right when that that section that um eric and joe drove um we've talked about that past saying oh man you you need like a fifth person right when yep. there would be like four of us driving and be like oh we had a couple slip us right so it's yep. like if we had five people on the section where we just had two then we would, you know, even do better. But but Eric and Joe did a great job. You know, they were uh, kicked out a few does that were. They did uh, it as best you, know. you could with two people. It, yeah. it, 
yeah, I was, usually it we was have amazing. Amazing. Being able to do it right. And it was amazing for two people. I think, I, I think from my perspective in the trustee ladder, I was watching uh, uh, Joe and Eric do it. And they were, like Dan said, they were super effective. <clears throat> but because there's only two guys out there, it was obvious the deer were kind of going. Yeah, they circle one, them, yeah. yeah either circle them or go off to the one side where there's not a driver. And that yeah. section of cattails, uh, quite often, we'll do that drive and we'll put up a um, a buck and maybe somebody gets a glimpse of it. Maybe they don't. Yep. But it'll just run circles around those guys and never come out. And you go oh, and yeah. you drive again, they still don't come out. And uh, but if you get like, there's only like five or six trails that go through there. So if you get five or six guys pushing it, you're covering every trail. It's just we don't have that many guys to do it. Um, and if we keep drowning them, I don't think we're going to have guys to show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, said, what Josh is trying to figure out what the heck happened. Yeah, yeah, are you yeah, talking deer or are you talking people? Let's go through yeah, that. Went. I mean, uh, the first one to shoot was uh, Dave. I think uh, you shot one. Yeah. Yep, yep. There was, uh, you know, kind of where uh, where we set up and where they push. Um Actually, it would have been where I suspected a deer might have come if it wasn't, um, you know, stressed out and running hard. And actually, this one was right. Yeah, it was sneaking out because it was like I almost thought it was the the noise was a driver coming in. Right. It was because I was hearing crunch, crunch, crunch. And I, I was looking out in the cattails for everybody else. Right. And then I looked over to my side and I was like, oh, there's a deer. And he was he was creeping out. Um, I thought it was a she, but <laughs> there were real big ears that you were covering the antlers. <laughs> I thought it was, hey, that's a big doe. <laughs> Turned out there was something more on the head there. It was, uh, one of my buddies called it the pronoun deer. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's but, your uh, uh, first buck with a gun and your second buck, so nobody can really give you any crap on no, it. No, no, no. And and um, as we were looking at it, right, I mean, it, it, was, it was a pretty big body for you know that runt of a rack but people you know dan has mentioned before how you can get two-year-old deer up here they're you know 130s you know, and you can get two-year-old deer here they're like 65s <laughs> this was like this was, was like, like, a was like a 60 that was like a 50 days yeah yeah <laughs> so he was he was little but it was um yeah he was just walking out right he knew something was going on and he just was easing out slipping out the back door and um, that's, I think, what you get with a lot of them. You just don't even know that they're there. You, you had to just be in the right spot to see it. And they yeah. just kind of are ghosts, you know, especially in those cattails, right? Because if people aren't used to doing that or being in cattails, you know, they're seven feet tall, even when they're dry, um, yeah, taller than that when they're green. You just can't see them. And there's well, one part. Well, you still have to do um, is stop every so often and just pause and just listen. Yep. Yes. Well, because they're not always just busting through the crap. Sometimes they're, you know, they're 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 sneaking. They're sneaking around you, and if you stop and listen, you can kind of pick up on that. So. Yep. Um, yep. It's definitely well, and, and, I, and I've had it where I've I've stopped, like we're doing a drive, and I'll stop for I don't know 10, 20 seconds, maybe thirty, and then that next couple of steps, whatever was you know if they're sitting tight, they'll start busting out because they just get so nervous they can't even. Yeah, they freak control. out when you stop. They think you're standing yeah. there looking at them or something. Yeah, I mean, they, I, 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 they usually I, I, uh, jump right when you stop, or they jump on that first step when you start right. again. Yeah, right. I've had that happen a lot on on those where we're covering the big swamp stand, yeah. <clears throat> where you yeah. just walk, walk, walk. You stop for a bit, and then the next thing you know, you're taking a step, and you just hear total chaos. Yeah, 
So I had I had that one come by, and uh, I was sort of in. I wasn't that far be, out of being in line with Dan and where his stand was. Um, so the way the buck came in, he was coming from my right to left. Dan was a little more on my left. Um, I had a real small opening, but I had a bigger opening, but closer to where facing Dan. Even though I was in a tree and elevated, I still didn't want to, you know, be shooting too directly toward Dan. Dan said he's kind of bulletproof, but I didn't want to test that theory. <laughs> so- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, I shot probably a little earlier than I shot than I should have. If I would have just waited because he was sneaking, um, I would have been able, it would have been a, you know, 40 yard shot um, just with a deer that's walking. That would have been perfect. But uh, I shot a little bit sooner and I hit him. I thought I hit him good um, because I heard crash, crash, crash. I thought I hit him maybe front shoulder-ish. Um, and I think as we looked at him later, he did get hit in the neck. So maybe that was, that was where it was. And I heard crash, 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 then not much of anything. And then, uh, then I heard Dan shooting. Yeah. He, um, I heard him, I heard him crashing. He like obviously crashing after you shot and it stopped yeah. and then he crashed again and he crashed again. And it sounded like a deer going down and then all of a sudden he just came busting out by me. And then, uh, I gave him about six. <laughs> Two in the leg, two in the leg. Uh, And uh, he got out of sight, but not by far. And then, um, and then shortly after that, then, I mean, you can speak to this, Dan, but, uh, you know, Eric and Joe were, you know, they were working it and they were doing a great job. I I could watch them as I was looking out at the the marsh and they were communicating (laughs) and how to line each other up. And then all of a sudden, bang, they'd yell, deer. And then, you know, I think the key, I think the key with that drive is staying tight to that to that waterway. Yep. Yeah, you yeah, know? you're right. I could see you were you were hugging that edge, Eric. Yeah, I, you know, every time we do that drive, I try to get guys to go tight against the water, and they don't want them because if you fall through, it's pretty treacherous. Yeah, it is. But the funny thing is, is about that spot, and I've driven that before. I've been on the other end of it, uh, the driving side of it. Is uh, the closer you get, there's some spots where it's not great, but when you get out to this little um, section of it um it's almost like dry land it's so firm the cattails are taller there but it's like crazy firm and obviously it shouldn't be a huge surprise like that's where all the deer are kind of loaded into that that section where it's the cattails are super dense i got a question for you guys keep going what's your guys's laws for like number of shells you can carry or uh uh bullets you can carry on you what are you laughing for Jim? we have laws for that in indiana here. I just, what is I it just, in indiana I, I just think of dan just, he's got mag after mag after mag and bill can, wilbur, 
<laughs> you can only you can only have ten uh, bullets on you, oh, like yeah. on your person I mean, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! If you're holding, a, if you're carrying a rifle, no, uh, there's, I don't think there's a limit. <laughs> on yeah, I think uh, I think I had I have a it's a old thirty thirty. It was my my grandfather's. It's like a nineteen forty nine and a half Winchester ninety four. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's perfect for what kind of stuff we do, right? It's just like the short iron sight gets stuff on it. It's super short, fast, um, plus, you know, great nostalgia and everything. But I had whatever that thing holds, like seven at a time. And then I had this uh, sling that's got a little bandolier on it. And it's got, I think I got like 10 on that. So no, we don't have a, we don't have a law as far as that goes. Yeah, I, th I think Dan's advice long ago to one of my boys was fill your pocket with ammo and you'll never run out. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I hate it when I, uh, young guys are long and uh, deer runs by them. You're like, what, what's going on? I, I'm out of ammo. <laughs> it's like, what? Ammo? Well, we go out there. I mean, how would you even do drives with a ten bullet limit? Because I mean, we go out and we drive huge sections. We we do like five drives in a row before we go back to the truck. And yeah, I, mean, I don't know how we would. You might shoot five or six deer when we're on a on these drives. So. Well, I that I think that rule in Indiana is only with rifles. I think Indiana is trying to eliminate people shooting like three hundred blackouts. You know, <laughs> like oh, you know, like, yeah. So that, that's probably what the that's probably what the thinking was behind the wall. Well, also, that's ten in the gun. You can have more rounds in your pocket. No, no, it's, well, you can't. No, he's saying ten on this person. Well, okay. That's, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, to Dan's point, I don't know how we would do that because. Think of the think of the area that we normally do, like on a day like today, Dan. <clears throat> we hit like four or five spots. Yeah, it's literally sun up to sun down. Like I shot eight not. times on that drive. How many? On, on the first drive, I shot eight times. You got two left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and there's been times where I know he's shot more. Yeah, on, yeah. on that same drive. Right. Just, just depends on how many deer. Well, you, you wound a deer, or a deer's hit, like the one that uh, Dave shot. When it comes rolling out of there, hit. Yeah. Or assuming it's hit because he was shooting at it. I mean, you don't want to just okay. I'm only going to shoot once or twice. I'm going to make right. two really good shots. You you, you want to make sure you end the suffering. You end the, you put the animal down and you recover. Yep. yep. You really don't want that thing sailing through the woods with a whole bunch of other hunters out there and getting in arguments over whose deer it is too. Yeah, yeah. Put right. it down quick. So I have no problem with just shooting until it's down. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So one thing we did right on that drive, I think, um, was uh, the drivers <laughs> yelled deer, so I had time to get a camera on, and I think it was nice to be ready when deer were I coming. But yeah, what was I think, I, I think that, that helped the shooters, this, the yeah, people exactly. that were sitting too. What's interesting yeah. about that is how often they yelled deer. How many times did you hear deer crashing? Versus yeah. how many deer came out. How many you saw, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of deer, they were yelling. And you don't hear all of them. So that was that was interesting. I also noticed like on opening weekend, on Saturday, when I did a drive and it was snowing, everything we saw was fresh. And I did one drive and me alone with two other drivers, I saw seven beds myself where I kicked deer out of those beds. And uh, one of the drivers said they saw three, and the other one saw like five. And no deer went by a stander on that drive. Mm -hmm. So we're pushing a lot more deer than what we even realized. What I even realized, you know? Yeah. 
And so, you think uh, the way the terrain was, you think it's funneled, and you think they're going to go a certain way, but somehow they find a different way. <laughs> I mean, uh, when they were when they were driving, um, right away, um, when the drive first started, I heard them yell deer, and I'm watching. The first time they yelled deer, um, I saw one bounding along the lake, way out, just sneaking around them. Well, Usually you can't see him from where I'm at, but that one was jumping real high, and I could see the head coming out. No, and that and that one though that it had to be, gosh, what 15 minutes after Eric and Joe started, the doe came out behind, directly behind me, behind some dogwood and red, uh, red brush, and I just caught a glimpse for glimpse of her behind that, and she ultimately got away. Um, you know that was well after those guys started pushing. She made a big circle and came back. Yeah. Yep. And conversely, that, that buck I mentioned, right? Nobody nobody else saw it. Nobody else knew it was there other than me when it was yep. just kind of sneaking out. So it's just funny how all that stuff goes. You know, a lot of times people might hear the drives and see, you know, the big orange push, but that doesn't mean it's automatic. Right. You know, and the other thing we did too is we weren't just taking random fear trails through the cattails. Uh, we would hear something get up and go and investigate, and we would see fresh tracks in the snow and continue to take that trail. So that really helps get them up and drive them all the way out of there, too. It, yeah. it helped, it helped. I think, you guys, too, because it wasn't real windy today. It was it was pretty quiet and calm. Yeah. I think, I think we made that. I don't think that's a help. I think that gives those deer time to think about it and hear you coming. <laughs> well, yeah, but for the pushers to be able to hear the deer if they're starting yeah, to move. You know, yeah. uh, I think Eric, you and I commented on how dead still it was that before while well, Dan was setting up. Yeah, it was very quiet. You know, yeah, so the, the thing is, is when you get in there and, and they hear you coming, they have time to think about it. True. And yeah, that, they that's can sneak, they can run, they can wait till you go past, they can hear where you're at and know if yep. you they want to. When you catch them off guard because it's windy, <clears throat> and they don't hear nothing until you're ten feet from them. That's when they get to, they get panicked and they just run out. Right. That's an easier deer to kill. Kill. Yep. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say too, Dan, is when we were done with that drive, you came back and met up with me. <clears throat> we talked over where we placed that ladder and we placed it in pretty much a normal spot we've done in the last, what, 10, 12 years. Yep. And, and we reassessed where that dough went. And I think we made a game plan for next year to move that ladder, maybe 50 yeah. yards in a different direction. That's going to give us We're access. Narrower, to it. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, looking at it now from that perspective, it just makes total sense, but yeah, it just seemed like we had to contain the area where the deer were. Yeah, but now it looks like you know moving back because of how many slipped through the back door. I think there'd be a lot, and we saw we found that shorter cattail area where you'd be able to shoot them. I think just totally that's a better area. Yeah, and it's not like you know when the drive's done, we're done, get collected here and go. We had about a ten minute conversation on a better option. I think we worked out. So uh, kind of, we got one of, other deer on that drive. Um, uh, Eric and Joe put one up, and it uh, ran across the point, and uh, that was a doe. And I took uh, two shots on it. The second shot, I uh, dropped it in its tracks. So we ended up getting two deer. Um, you hit it twice, by the way. I did. Yes, sir. Hmm. Where yeah. was the f- first hit? Uh, I thought we found one right in the side. And one right, right through the throat. Okay. 
All right, so both bullets hit it then. Yep. Yep. Hmm. What were you yep. saying, Josh? Um, you guys like these step ladders you use? Are they just are they just like Home Depot step ladders <laughs> that you? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like an electrician's ladder. It's not double sided. It's only got one side with rungs on it, and then Dan uh, painted it all camel. It's a ten foot ladder, I believe. Yeah, it's eight or ten foot. Yeah, yeah. I sit. I sit up on the very top of it. Um, yeah, you sit up there. Jeff can't <laughs> shoot him up there, so he's <laughs> on the side of it. But I'll get up on the very top of it. And uh, we had a kid out there one time who uh, uh, he had a twelve gauge young guy, <laughs> and all these goals came running out, and he's shooting at them. And I watched it from the hillside. It was hilarious. As he's shooting, the thing's tilting back, and he's like, yeah. right, right over. <laughs> Here we just got done talking about the gun safety. <laughs> right, of, right. Now we're talking about kids falling off a ladder with a gun. Well, it's, uh, uh, that's, what I was, that, that's in my head. I was in my head. was like, man, I feel like you'd fall off. Or... It, it, yeah, it's, well, it's not bad. What you do is you stop on the, the, yeah. the bottom rung, and you put the, the, uh, the feet into the muck, and it gets yeah. actually pretty sturdy. Yeah, yeah, it's not when it's ice though. It's kind of hard to do yeah, that. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. See, I like being a couple rungs down because I feel like I have better rotation. If you're sitting on the top, I feel like you can't really turn to your right too well. Yeah, but this is Dan we're talking about. Oh, I can swivel around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then close your yeah, left eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it's I don't know about who's all sat down lower and gotten deer, but you know, obviously Dan on that thing sits up high, and then yeah, uh, yeah. I guess you're saying it was your brother-in-law Dan Jason. Yeah, I know he sat way up on the top of it, you know, and he's uh, he's a pretty crack shot, and he got he got one off that ladder one year that was I don't know 150 200 yards out when he was sitting up in the middle of this vast expanse of cattails while sitting on top of the thing and. So uh, it can it can be done, but it, yeah, with, for the for the first time doing it, it's kind of it's kind of weird because it's yeah, it's not... a, it's a little unnerving the first time. Yeah, first time you do it, but once you get used to it and you learn how to set it, it's fine. So you got that mm. uh, that one antlered buck out of there. Uh, yep. Was that last year? Or last, you... uh, last... A couple of years ago. Yeah, two years ago that was. Mm. Yep, I was there. That one almost uh, ran underneath the ladder before you hit it. Yeah, that that darn deer <laughs> was right underneath me. <laughs> And that was a bit of a disappointment when I walked up on it. I'm like, hey, you got a good buck and walked up to it and it's just one side. Well, I still think, you know, the inches on that one side probably exceeded the inch, total inches of the one I had today. They but, could very know. well be. <laughs> yeah, but yours had a big body, Dave. It, it was kind of a tank for having a, a small a small rack. He was he was thick. Junk in the trunk. Well, we had a little more excitement on that drive, too. Um, we got done, well, not that drive, but when we got done with that drive, we wanted to get one more done so that the people that, uh, did all the pushing for us would get some shooting too. And we had one in mind that's got some nice deer in it. And we usually put deer up on it. And last year we killed deer on it and we went over there and, uh, you got to cross a Creek. So, um, we got to the cross and there's no way to cross and I checked the depth and it's really deep. So from where I was checking the depth, I looked down the creek and I saw a log going across. And I'm like, man, problem solved. Yeah. You got a log. So then we get down by this log and uh, these guys are all whining about it. Like, this looks sketchy. And I'm like, it's a log. It looks easy. 
It, you know, Josh, Josh, let me just set take the stage a stick. Here. It was snow you know, covered. Balance yourself with a stick and walk across. It should be a piece of cake. So I go. Meanwhile, across, meanwhile, this. The other thing to add is that not only was this um, a creek, right, and it was wide, but it was iced over, right? But it was not enough ice to be stable. But there was, so it was not just water. It was there was actual yeah, ice there. Wrong. So I get across, and uh, uh, Jeff's which, like, I don't know if I want to go over. <laughs> which, which, by the way, Dan looked. He, he did very well. He looked like a ballerina just gliding over that. Like that a monkey box. He's like a mink. Yeah. Right, right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> I get across and uh, Joe's like, well, I guess if you made it, I'll go. So uh, Joe starts going and uh, and he, he was gets, using the stick. He, he gets on the log and uh, he kind of like loses his balance or something and steps onto the uh, to the ice. Oh, and his leg goes through and it's like bottomless. So <laughs> flips over sideways and his legs get caught on the log. So his head's going under and stuff. And he's like going down. <laughs> right. All, everything is going down. So the uh, cameras got dropped. Everybody had to go over and, and uh, <laughs> save his butt and pull him out of there. And we, we had we had him once get coming up, and then he slipped out of my hand. Yeah, I saw you reaching for him, Jeff, and I I was filming while you were reaching for him. And I thought, <laughs> Thanks, as soon Aaron. as I saw him slip out of your hand, I figured I better put this camera down and I better reach my hand out. <laughs> Eric, Eric has a future as a photojournalist. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty sketchy. So that uh, that pretty much uh, ended the drives. I mean, he was completely. He Oh, oh that yeah, was a, that was as soaked as I've seen anybody from, from the neck down. I mean, yeah. it, it, it was you land on your back in ice and bust yeah. through. What chance do you? He was literally upside down because his legs were up on top of that yeah. log. Yeah, yeah. Was forced yeah. His, head under. his his head didn't go under, but it wasn't. Yeah, he was doing it. He was doing everything he could just to not let that happen. Yeah, and um, and clearly that water, you know, when the when it's you had a skim of ice on the top, you know the temperature. Uh, not good. <laughs> yeah. Now it happened to be a, a pretty warm day, actually, compared to what we 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 really had winter since the start of uh, I don't know, probably a couple of weeks before gun season. It was it was like legit w winter temperatures. Yeah. But today it warmed up into the fifties. But but still, when you've been just dunked in thirty to three yeah, degree cold. water, and then yeah. Yeah, I yeah so, really so Joe to be in that shooting position on the next drive. So we get we get him out of the water, right? Dan looks back, he's across the the area, the water. He's like, We good to go? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Joe? We good? You got this? <laughs> and I actually think Joe half thought about it. Well, you know what? I'm just used to that stuff. I go through like that up to my armpits and stuff, and I just keep going. I mean, you know. But uh, literally being that wet sitting on a drive is, is difficult. Yeah. If he was, if he was going to be the walker, maybe it'd be fine. Uh, I was yeah. thinking maybe we could get some clothes out of the trucks or something. Or Yeah. He was, I... he was bad. I mean, his boots were full, his, everything. And his, his gun went under. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, That's that that, that was bad for, for the, obviously, the gun itself. However, I, you know, people are saying, oh, the scope must be trashed. And I look through and it's like, Whoever, whatever brand scope that was, they did all right as a manufacturer because because it was a vortex, yeah, because it 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 was clear as a bell. Yeah, yeah, it held up well. So yeah, that's uh that's fun with Dan and the Swab, I think. And then from there was a couple of years ago from that same drive. I wonder if I can, wonder if I can find that. 
And people Probably. wonder why, you know, we're not getting guys coming out with us anymore. Oh, yeah. This was, this was the same. Like, I, can't, I can't figure it out. This he literally could have been in some serious trouble if we weren't there to pull him out because oh, yeah. your yeah. feet caught up like that. I mean, you know. Yeah, this the was the same the drive from was was either last year or the year before. I don't know if people can see that. Oops. That's that? Dan. Oh, yeah, it it that. looked like scope rash, but it, but Dan uh, wound up catching a. Uh, you can see on this oh, side here. He, he yeah. caught a stick in the eye. It looked like he, you know, went around with Mike Tyson. <laughs> but that, <laughs> yeah. that was that same drive a couple that, of years ago. That's the day uh, Teddy came with us. That was yeah. But it never made it to THP video because we didn't shoot anything. <laughs> <laughs> we always want to come to the week when we when we're done shooting stuff. We always do the yep. best stuff early. Yep. Except for now when we don't have enough guys, and so then we uh we're still doing good stuff. Yeah, so it was just it was just you you four and, and Joe then. Is that the only people that were with you? That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, five, it was five's even hard to bigger sections when you got five guys. I don't know. It's really it was really hard. Four. Yeah, I, and it, can, I was in, I was impressed just with the fact that the thing we drove, that was the heart. It you know it has the widest area to cover. Like I said earlier, you know five people actually with, you know feet in the cattails is really what we'd need to do it well. Um, just the fact that it wasn't you know it was midweek after opening day. Um, I had seen other boot tracks leading leading kind of to where I set up. Um, I wasn't expecting much, and we we actually did have good action. And unfortunately, that uh, you know kind of ended ended where we where we did, but with with a few laughs and a real cold friend. But yeah. uh, it, Josh, it was fun. Josh, you got to come up. Uh, yeah, I know, I do. I will one year. You know uh, what else was interesting is on that first drive, um, we went and finished it, and uh, went back to get the deer, and the deer were just inside of the swamp. Um, laying on the edge, like, like, uh, five yards from the woods, just in the marsh. And we come walking up and there's, um, two ladies in blaze orange with rifles on lawn chairs, sitting on, on lawn chairs, like <laughs> 10 feet from the deer, just looking at us with these goofy smiles. And, uh, I'm like, uh, I hate to do this, but we got deer behind you and you're like looking around they didn't know they were there yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went out and dragged the deer out and we started field dressing them right there and they just pulled up their lawn chairs and just stood there staring at us it was the strangest thing yeah. <laughs> well yeah i walked i walked up because uh i don't remember what i think it was a mom and her daughter yeah i think it was and i walked up yeah. and i'm like i'm seeing everybody from a distance i'm like i don't think anybody was wearing like full you know blaze orange pants and jackets yeah, and I, i'm like who are who, what's what's that maybe my eyes are deceiving me no but there's no people two people sitting in a lawn chair even yeah. you know all that disturbance you'd think they would relocate but they just kept sitting there you know, that's funny dave because i was thinking to myself too well where did these guys get a chair what are they doing sitting here? There's yeah. deer to drag out of the swamp, right? <laughs> well, and then we and then we, we dressed both of them right by them, you know. Yeah. And they just were sitting there watching us. So I think the one the daughter was on her phone, you know. And Dan, I think you looked over and was like, "There's more deer there." I said it too, you know. But they were kind of facing pretty much the wrong direction. Yeah, they, they were they were like facing uphill as opposed well, to nobody the really, you know you know your average person doesn't realize they've lived down in that water it's, right suppose you know yeah yeah i think they were sitting there just watching that ridge 
you know, I was, uh, I think it was Joe. I was telling, uh, you, you know, you'd like to give him some advice or, you know, um, tell him, Hey, come with us. But, uh, then I'd probably drown them. Or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> there, yeah. There was, there was no my advice might not be the best advice because the way we kill deer is probably kind of, uh, crazy. Yeah. They, <laughs> they had, they would have had an enjoyable afternoon turn into, Something with infall, which usually <laughs> that's, that's prob- probably we can't really let Josh come along because he's the guy with the common sense. We're probably like, no, guys, this is sketchy. We <laughs> <laughs> can't be doing this. No, I have got a son and a wife here, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds, I don't, like, I don't... it sounds like you got a couple guys that already tell you that. that didn't yeah. Work, so. yeah. Well, Josh, Josh, I was like that too. And then after like two, three seasons with Dan, I'm just like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeff now, I think... like, yeah, now you did it, Dan. Now we lost Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't coming back. Yeah, yeah, a- after Joe Lennon, there was no way I was going to attempt that crossing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were pretty yeah. clear about it right away, Jeff. You said, I yeah. am not making that that trek across that log. Nope. <laughs> well, Jeff, no, you're having a hard time anyways. You got uh, uh, a major ankle injury. Yeah, right? there's, there's an ankle issue going on there, so. Uh, it's not super stable, and to try and do a ballerina across a, a log, not happening. <laughs> one, of, one of the things, uh, one of the things that I'm not sure the Derek or Jeff, you know, um, I remember <laughs> meeting Josh at one of Dan's workshops. It was snowing like mad, and the, the one of the main reasons I remember him is, you know, no, not many people come up to the workshop with Southern Indiana accents. You probably don't even think you got an accent, Josh, but compared to all us cheese heads, you got an yeah, accent right. that's different. And uh, so I remember meeting Josh. And I'm like, oh, this is a nice guy, right? But I don't think you've ever, so that when we were out there that day, right, it was snowing like mad. Everything was iced over, you know, walking was pretty easy for the most part. But <laughs> have you ever hunted the, um, this cattails nasty stuff when it's not frozen over? Don't tell I mean, him. <laughs> yeah, I have. I I shot my buck in a cattail marsh last uh last year. Okay. In in November in whatever November fourth or whatever day it was. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't frozen yet. Gotcha. Um, it's 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 not for everybody. No. I've also did some uh I, this has been a number of years ago. I did some scouting in the summertime up there. Um but I used to at my old job I used to actually have to go to Wisconsin a whole bunch for work. So I was while I was up there for work, I would scout in the evenings because I figured I'd be up here, up there eventually for work and during deer season. So my plan was to work in the daytime at the farms and then hunt in the evenings, like, you know, in September or whenever I was up there, October. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm really big bucks on those drives. You find stretches of, uh, of marsh and stuff that are so isolated, nobody can get to them that you have to cross a big creek to get to. <laughs> well, but it is kind of funny though where that happened, and you know the the thing where Dan had the eye scrape. Um, we did see huge sign in there that year that you had that eye scrape. We just didn't happen to see the buck. We kicked something out, didn't know what the size was, um, just when we started that particular drive. But the the there was like big like fresh rubs in there yeah and uh so it it, it dan was right i mean that that spot can hold big it has held big stuff it'd be just it wasn't meant to be today 
I know your guys' uh, drives are different than ours because you guys are in those cattails, but uh, it does seem like whenever we, – we don't do drives I- anymore, but when we did, it, when we kill a big buck, it would seem like it was always the the driver that would end up shooting the buck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. If a lot of the really big it. ones, that is the way it is. They, for, for us, it's – I mean, mostly the shooters, but, but I, I know that uh, I've had some pretty good opportunities when I'm pushing – at the bigger animals. And I've noticed that when I have shot bigger animals on the drives, they're just sneaking through mm-hmm. where the, the little stuff scatters, big mm-hmm. stuff uses, you know, tactical maneuvers. And because of that, they feel so vulnerable to the drivers. They know that they know the game. They know that if they come running out, they're going to get shot. So they try to sneak around. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of a drive we did last year, Eric, I know we were next to each other and uh, you know, there was more of the bounders, right. And it was like, okay, they'd be cut in between me and you. And it's like, all right, well, it was really close. It should probably be a dead deer, but I also didn't want it to be a dead Eric. So there's there's sometimes you just can't shoot, right? If they split you and that stuff happens. Yeah, that that buck, even though he was little, he was was easing out. He wasn't busting out today. I appreciate you showing interest in my well-being. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Practicing your your muzzle control. That's right. Um, You know, to Dave's point, that'll happen. I mean, Dan, do you remember when that happened to, to Luke and Dave? There was a big buck that split between both of them and was probably 15 feet between each one of them. And my son came out. He's like, I couldn't shoot because Dave was right there. Yeah. And and yeah. if I remember right, that was a healthy-sized buck. I mean, that was a big one. So yeah. they're yeah. not dumb. Yeah. Anyways, you don't want to be hunting with dumb people when you're doing this kind of stuff either. Nope. For sure. Nope, not at all. <laughs> That's probably a good uh, a good statement to end on with the deer drive talk. That's but right. Anyway, yeah. you guys want to take some questions from the, the chat? We can all kind of pitch yeah. in if we need to. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really gave, given the spiel yet, but we got like about 300 people on. And uh, if you're new, all you have to do is ask your question in the comment section down below. And uh, we'll try to get to them tonight. Uh, we may not get to all of them. I haven't. I went through all the questions yet, or haven't been looking at the chat, so I'm not sure how many are on here. But uh, um, probably won't do call-ins tonight, just because we got so many folks on already. And uh, yeah, make sure you subscribe to the channel and hit the like button. Leave a comment if you're like listening to this on Saturday or something. And um, let's get into the questions. Sounds good. I'll let Josh look for questions, and while while he's doing that, I'll just say, you know, he's Josh has been doing a great job you know, doing these live streams and, and really everything with all the content. I've just been super impressed with all of it. So props Thanks, to you, Josh. Yep. Thanks. I got a lot of, still got a lot of learning to do and all this stuff, but I'm getting better at it. But yeah. all right. <clears throat> David asked something. He said, if you were teaching a young person to hunt from scratch, what are the steps and levels you would have them master progressively? Hmm. First thing I'd be worried about is making sure that they had fun, that they enjoyed it. Don't send them off swimming or crossing logs. Or, yeah. Um, I'll probably just, uh, you know, concentrate on uh, getting them an opportunity on an animal mm-hmm. as your first uh, step and let them progress at their own pace. I don't think I would uh, try to make those steps. I'd let them create their own steps. Let them tell you what they want instead of uh, trying to figure out what you think that they need for steps. I think that uh, that'd be my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I'd also say, Dan, you you kind of preach it too, is 
you know, you never know where the next year is going to come around. So don't get Debbie Downer-ish, you know, stay optimistic, stay positive. Uh, yeah, you, you, uh, you've got two kids that uh, probably needed to be mentored uh, differently. They're me? Two totally different personalities. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. They couldn't be any more different. Because yeah. your kids came with us and, uh, and yep. uh, kind of got mentored on our hunts. You yep. Know? They got the, the devil, Dan. And they got the <laughs> yeah. Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. And you're right. They're very, very different personalities. And um, to be very transparent, my oldest son, this type of hunting is not for him. He's the kind that he's okay with sitting in a tree stand all day long. You put him in the ladder stand, he will sit there from sun up to sundown. He did the this type of hunting, I think, two seasons, and he's just not comfortable out there um, with all that water and sketchiness. I yep. guess you'd say. But the other son, Luke, the, is he's yeah. a marsh he's a marsh warrior. He. Uh, yeah, he'll plow he, through anything he, for you. He'll get, he'll give her. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, I think it's when I see this question, I think of, uh, you know, I started super late in life, but when I think of it, I think of it almost like taking a kid fishing, right? You want to, you want to have them see stuff. And yep. uh, although it's not catching a fish is different than, than shooting a deer, but uh, just having them see things, right. And having some action, right. You know, if they're catching, when you're fishing, if they're catching three inch bluegills, they're getting action, right? They're staying busy. And even if you can get them where it's a point where they're seeing deer, even if they're out of range or whatever, it's like, that's like part of that experience and building that, that excitement in their mind. Um, and then, you know, kind of easing them on up into the actual, you know, harvesting of the animal and all that stuff and improving and taking it where they want. But I think just that initial thing, just like with, you know, little kitchen, little stunted bluegills in a pond with a kid, right? It's just like, just get them seeing some, some animals. Yeah, you know, uh, you got to look at it like this too. I mean, um, the, they're not you. I mean, uh, people try to mold these kids when they're mentoring them into what they want them to be instead of looking at what the kid wants to do and, and letting them grow. And I think that's where you get a lot of this, where they get back out of hunting and stuff like that, because it's not, they don't see it that way. I mean, uh, for a lot of them, it's just got to be fun and, and this. and But you get kids that are serious, too, and really want to kill something big, and they get in with some goofy mentor. You know, it's just having fun, joking around. Yeah. Not saying somebody bad, but, you know, um, you kind of got to let the kid tell you what he wants to do and what he wants to be. I mean, I, I think uh, I've learned some lessons there over the years. I mean, uh, my kids, I think I put so much pressure on them to – work hard and stuff that they didn't enjoy hunting as much as they should have, you know, that they got out of it a little earlier, you know, don't go back as much, you know, not to say they don't like hunting, but they don't like it like I do. And, uh, I know my, both of my sons really liked, um, just going off and doing exotic hunts and fun stuff and, you know, pheasant hunting, bunny hunting, going and hunting wild boars or something like that. Uh, the occasional bear hunt maybe for, for junior, um, Jamie didn't like bear hunting, um, but um, to try and make them into little Dan's is probably why I, uh, that, you know, looking back when I was younger and stuff and, and pushing them in their teens, you know, I really pushed James probably harder than I should have. You know, I would have him out there with a alpha and five sticks on his back and we'd go three miles back into a swamp and I'm treating him like he's, some, you know, an adult you know, a man and just telling them, just man up and take it, you know, and it's probably not the best way to mentor somebody. 
um, you got to ask the kid what he wants to do and where he wants to go and what he wants to go after, you know. And, and teach them, teach them the basics, you know, woodsmanship, how to use a compass, don't rely on the phone all the time, you know, because I think that's a big thing that's missing is basic woodsmanship now is, is not everybody's really adapted to it. Tracking, recognizing the type of tracks. Yeah. yeah. You know, and going to Dan's point just real quick, you know, you about letting that kid tell you what he wants to do. We all have different personalities. You know, I agree with that completely. Um, you have to throw a kid in there and let them make the mistakes too. Because you don't learn, you don't learn anything unless you're making mistakes. Right. Um, you can hear, you can hear about it and know that it is a mistake, but you just don't learn the same way until you make that mistake. So that's the right. same thing. Like at, at at work, when when I'm mentoring uh, apprentice machinists, and these kids will. Uh, tell me that they have a plan to try and do something. You know, how are you going to, how are you going to achieve this project? How are you going to get it done? And what they're telling you, you know, you know, makes sense, but you know, it ain't going to work either because you've been down that road and you know how they're going to fail. Telling them it's going to fail when they're excited to try a different way and try to try to do this method that they see that they're going to do. Doesn't help that kid. Um, Just telling them, well, how are you going to achieve that? You know, what if this happens? What if that happens? How are you going to do that? When they want to do it, just let them do it and let them fail. Yep. And then don't tell them why that was going to happen. Just let them fail and then say, well, why did it fail? And, right. you know, let them learn from it. Yeah. You know, the same thing, like, if, you you know, a kid wants to do do some drive a certain way or something, and he really like, well, if we did this, this is what would happen. Okay, let's do it. You know, you just right. got to go out there and uh, let them make some mistakes <laughs> and learn as long as they're not mistakes that are going to hurt somebody, you know? Right. Yep. What do you guys think about, like, um kids having iPhones and iPads and stuff in the stand and looking at that the whole time. I'm I'm not favorite of it. I don't I, I think agree. I think they they totally miss the experience. Maybe, no. but uh maybe taking it away from them is too much. Yeah, there's, like probably, there's probably there's probably a balance there that you can do, but you know, I think you just have them sitting out the whole time. time. You're staring down at your phone and the buck is walking past you. That's just it. I mean, these kids are growing up with these things in their pockets at six years old already. You know, if they never had the chance to sit there without a phone, they wouldn't know any different. Mm -hmm. That'd be Um, like telling me to to, to, uh, get up in the morning and not have a monster. (laughs) Yeah. Probably probably equally as uh, bad for you, I imagine. Yeah, right. (laughs) At least you're not having before bed like Eric. (laughs) <laughs> you can say it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, let's see here. That's a good question. That's always something I'm constantly thinking about. Not sure uh, how I'm going to tackle it. I read a couple books about it, uh, about have taking kids hunting and stuff. So trying to prepare for it. But yeah, I think my biggest reality is going to be like f- for my son. It's like. You know, what if he doesn't like to hunt? Well, it's like most people don't, you know, and it's like also like most people, almost everybody doesn't like to hunt like we do, you know, so yeah. he's probably not going to, you know. You um, just tell him, you, you know, some people don't like to hunt. Some boys don't like girls. <laughs> All right. You don't have to go. You don't have to go there yet. But. <laughs> too far. Too far. Uh, yeah, too far. Yeah. That's but I was, yeah. Line, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> 
just keep, keep those walks in the woods fun. I know that you do that with your your boy. You know, you yeah. take him out in the woods. Just get him. I think even just the the starting spot is just a love for the woods, right? Right. And yeah, yeah, know, for sure. Try to catch a frog or you know whatever, right? Oh yeah, he got more than one of them under his belt. So yeah. Um, all right, let's let's go on to the next one here because we're we're uh, well over an hour now. But anyway, Dan. What would your gun season strategy be for Hill Country Terrain? PA's gun season starts oh, uh, Saturday. Uh, I'd probably be trying to find clear cuts and getting on the downwind side of them. Um, I would, you know, I would have set areas where I have, uh, where I know bucks are if I live there. If I didn't live there and I was going to someplace new, I'd be checking out those uh, clear cuts. I'd probably be, uh, on foot slowly stalking the downwind edge of them i'd find sign and maybe sit there that evening um my mornings would probably be stalking until i found some good stuff if i knew the area i would probably be in the clear cuts that got sign of big bucks the downwind edges um thicker areas you know places with mountain laurel stuff like that yeah yeah I, ha I haven't hunted there, but the only thing I would think of adding is just from things I've experienced around clear cuts in northern Wisconsin is if you have an idea of where like the big trails are uh, or where a lot of people walk, keep keep that in mind, too. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'd add probably leeward sides, too. And, uh, yeah. you know, probably uh, um, ridges that got multiple areas of those thick spots because you get deer cruising up and down them, you know. Um, yeah. When when is their gun season? Is there is it's it's Saturday. this Saturday? This Saturday. Yeah, and Saturday. Probably kind of ending rut now, but yeah. I had a buck go by me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yesterday night that uh, was chasing does and grunting. Mm, yep. Um, it seems like that's kind of really shut down here too. Uh, the rut has in, in Indiana. I. I've been out the last couple disappeared, but I'm still seeing grunting and stuff. Really? Yeah. Um, got well, a, was... we, had a, we had a super nice. chat, so thanks, Matt. If you really want to get noticed, you can put the super chat in there, and uh, <laughs> there you your, your question will definitely get answered no matter what it is. <laughs> so uh, when we were out there, when we were out there Sunday, we you saw a scrape, Dan. I think right that was pretty fresh, and then uh, on the on the place where I sat today, there was a scrape that wasn't uh, super old that. Um, had a track in it so I, I think it's winding down but it doesn't mean it's all the way done yeah um dan what do you think about the second rut um i i mean it, it happens and it's uh it's rut but it's not to the intensity of the first one maybe actually it's kind of like a blend you know because uh the rut really never ends until you know you get to like uh into december a bit because they uh you know the does go into heat and then uh bucks still keep chasing after they've been bred but then the does are starting to go into heat so there's some early chasing with that and then they start breeding the, i mean the fawns and they start breeding the fawns and you know so that uh it just kind of stretches for me i i mean um you get your periods when they're not moving much in daylight or they lock down as people say or whatever but 
but it comes yeah. and goes. You you can get on at any time. It can just break loose, and it might be in one area, and you might be, you know, the next woodlot over. Nothing's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, people were asking about that <laughs> that buck they got stolen from that boy about if it was on public. It was on private. It was on his just their correct their uh yeah, family they went land on private yeah, land private. stole the buck. So somebody probably on a neighboring farm watching. Right. Yeah, they had to have. I mean, I would have to imagine it was somebody with permission, not somebody that uh, owned a neighboring farm. Um, because if you owned it, you'd think that you're you know, how you how you do that with your neighbor right there, you know? Right. Right. Probably somebody that got permission to hunt there. I'm thinking on a neighboring <laughs> property, or maybe they were up against public or something. But somebody yeah. saw that on their property. I'm sure saw him shoot the buck or something. Saw right. them leave and then probably went over and stole it. But I don't know that for fact. I'm just assuming. It's the only thing that but really it, makes sense. It was private. It was private. Yeah, I think people were just questioning, you know, what exactly was going on there and all that. And it sounded like. Yeah, so the guy was trespassing as well as stealing the deer. Yep. Yep. I believe he's get. I believe he's getting charged with theft and trespassing. Really. Yep. As he should. Yep. Agreed. Right. Agreed. What sort of strategy would you suggest for a solo hunter venturing onto public for the gun opener? Ohio Hills. This is probably the same kind of answer we gave uh, before. Or PA. Yeah. He's asking you, Josh. Yeah. 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 For the hills, um, yeah, I've never been to Ohio during gun season. Obviously, I don't really know the. Um, I don't know, you know, what the what it looks like down there during gun but here in indiana i know like um a lot of guys have success you know getting back in there a little bit deeper getting into you know good security cover back there like things like clear cuts um maybe some like uh you know drainages that are leading away from you know you know wherever some some security cover and stuff like that so same same stuff as dan was talking about though um also i would i would tell you also um if you're by yourself and i, I would just make sure you're in the woods you know uh, don't don't if you're if you're like on out of state or something i just make sure you're in the woods because a lot of guys will get down at nine o'clock and leave and um you know you got a chance of bumping one around so whether that be you know on the ground or in a stand um, you know there's a lot there's a lot to that because um I know some guys that couldn't hunt their way out of a paper sack mm-hmm. that still kill, still kill their fair share of deer just by being in the woods all the time. Yeah. They'll just go find a spot and just sit there and eventually mm-hmm. something comes by or gets kicked past them or something. They don't, they, I mean, they probably don't kill them to the, to the degree that me or you do, but they're still killing deer in spots that uh, me or you'd kind of like, I wouldn't sit here, you know? Sure. Just, so, I mean, if you have, even if you have halfway decent ideas of where to sit, just being in the woods is helpful because this deer can kind of really show up anywhere. Case in point, I remember uh, uh, doing these drives one year. We walked into a, a field off of a road, and where you park, there's like six or eight cars there all the time, even during bow season. And we get out and we walk into the entrance where everybody walks. And there's this old guy sitting on a chair in orange, 50 feet from the parking spot, 
staring at this open field and I just laughed and I said, some people got no common sense. And we walk into the woods and kicked up a big bucket and ran on and the guy shoots it. <laughs> so, I mean, you could sit on a bucket next to your car and kill a deer. It's just a matter of uh, a lot of it has to do with time. I mean, there's really ingredients to killing deer. I mean, there, there's, you know, the first ingredient is you have to be hunting, you know, and then it yep. starts getting to the, the different other things that it might help you. But those are smaller percentages. The biggest percentage of putting deer on your wall is actually being out there hunting. Right. Right. Good point, I, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. I just, he, he's specifically talking about gun opener too. And it's just like, I, I bet like, I, I would venture to say like 70% of the guys that go gun hunting opening morning are probably back at their truck at, you know, nine 30 and eating breakfast somewhere by 10, you know? So, um, you know, today, um, before we did the drives, I want to get out a short hunt in the morning. Mm -hmm. I hunted for the first hour of daylight and uh, left. Um, I got pictures after I left on my cell cam on the, on the farm. And uh, I went back out there cause I lost my uh, camera. Yeah. <laughs> look look and, at me. I'm uh, so surprised. I, I found three or four different sets of tracks in my tracks across my track mm -hmm. that, that were fresh during the day. So daylight. sometimes during the day, these deer walk through and walk to yeah. my footprints. So if I would have sat there all day, I mean, one of the sets was pretty big. Yeah. All right. Here's a really good question that would be a good clip. But how do you deal with variable winds? I smell like the deer want me to smell like. I mean, they love smelling me. That gets my scent out all over the place, and then the deer come from every direction. Um, Any anybody who's been downwind from you knows that is fake news, my friend. <laughs> that's that's like uh, me and Joe were having an argument coming back from him falling through the swamp, of which one of us stunk more. Yeah. <laughs> the we all voted. We all voted for Dan. <laughs> I, I think I won that one. Yeah. But, uh, variable winds are, you know, it's tough. Um, I just try to take the, the wind where it's supposed to be going and I try to figure out why it's going a different way. I'll tell you what, variable winds used to kill me years ago. Just every hunt, you seemed like you had winds all over the place until I started learning how to read the land and how, and being able to determine how the wind's going to flow. I can look at, you know, um, how the tree line's being hit by the wind and what's going to happen with it, how our opening's going to be affected by the wind. And I started sitting back a little from the opening so it's not swirling like a toilet bowl when it hits that. I started, you know, um, looking at how the uh, thermals and the winds are going to be hitting each other. And I started really um, trying to dissect what the wind's doing. And uh, one thing that really helped me do that is milkweed because it made me understand exactly what happens to the wind every time I'm sitting, every time it gusts and just dropping that stuff all the time and looking what's going on as the thermals change in a day, as this goes on, as that goes on, you start to figure things out. You start to see too that the, the wind might not be variable where you're at, but where your wind is blowing, it's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, you know when you, if you watch the milkweed go for a distance. Um, so for me, it's really about exactly where you pick your spot. And, um, I have nowhere near the experience of any of you guys, right? But there was a, a situation I had earlier this year where um, I went into a brand new area. Wind was blowing a certain way. I thought, all right, here's where I'm going to set up, right? I started setting up, and all of a sudden, me and actually me and Dan were texting each other saying, oh, 
the wind was supposed to be out of here and now it's switched to, you know, completely different. And, uh, I just had to like pull my sticks down and move. And I did a semicircle around the area. It, it happened to be a scrape, uh, and work back and just switch spots. Um, it was only a spike that came in, but it wound up being an off wind for the spike because mm-hmm. that, there was that 90 degree switch. And if I would have stayed where I was thinking, okay, it might change. You just have to be, for me, I had to be willing to just pull up stakes and move a little bit. Now, eventually that little buck came into the scrape and then he worked across and he could smell where I walked and did that semicircle around the scrape, but I, I had him dead to rights. It just, he, he wasn't the guy that put down the uh, chest high rub. He was the guy that put the knee high rub down. <laughs> yeah, That's a good, good point though, Dave. I'm be willing if you're in a spot where you feel like the wind's iffy or something's wrong, like being mobile is important at that point. Yep. Uh, particular time, especially you can you know pick a tree out real quick and yeah. be up and be down and back up in 30 minutes yeah, you, you don't really have to be right over the scrapes and rubs either i mean you just have to yeah. be where the deer travels and in, in reach of it and a lot yeah. of times I, I just get the feeling you know when you find these clusters of scrapes and rubs they seem to be where that wind swirls it seems to be where they're smelling something going on because they do everything based on their nose and it just seems like where those sections are where that all that sign is just it seems to be like a thermal spot where everything comes together and you need to be out of that spot and off to the edge of it kind of yeah. in a lot of cases. And something else that can help is like try test out like your height. Like sometimes if you're, you may like at, like at 10 feet, maybe different wind than at, you know, 20 feet. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, that's something else that you can, you can kind of play with if you, if you have the time to, um, yeah. And then the fact of the matter is, is like sometimes it ain't perfect, you know, and sometimes you still kill one or sometimes it ain't perfect and it, they blow you and they run the next county. Like it's just that's right. part you know, of it. a lot of times I'm sitting on a, like a just off wind and I'm, I'm, I'm taking a gamble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you, you're thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to get the arrow in this thing quick if it comes in. But sometimes those are the hunts where I kill a big one. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I go home saying I ain't ever doing that again, but then I do it again in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Here's a question for you guys. Uh, do you carry a different gun for drives than stand hunting? If so, what's the difference? I do. I started this year. So I carry an AR when we're doing, uh, mostly when we're doing drives. And uh, because it holds more ammo um, and because uh, uh, it's shorter, lighter, I get through the cattails well with it. Um, and I take the thirty out six when I when I stand hunt. It's nice precision when the deer's walking out. When it's you know, I got a little more range. How about you guys? That's exactly what I do, Dan. Well, actually, I should say this year is the first year with the AR, and I got to say it is it is awesome for um, for driving. It's an awesome driving tool, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can find those deer in a scope in a hurry. In fact, opening day, Jeff, you kind of had the issue with your yep. six. You had a shot on a deer where you couldn't yep. hear in the scope. Or if yep. you did, you know, it was tough to find her. Yeah, she, she was so close to me, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't get her in the scope. And had I had the AR, um, I think it would have been a different story. Just more maneuverable, too, like they said, you know, you can swing out a lot quicker and, um, get acquisition quicker yeah you you know the other thing i would add too to that with the ar is the recoil isn't there 
So I feel like you're able to stay on target you know, a little better than you would be yeah. at three out six. Um, yeah. Drive. And and nowadays with the uh, with like Nosler bullets and stuff, yep. you, they got some really good ammo that knocks deer down pretty quick. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I would and, say, and and you yield more meat <laughs> that I've noticed. Yeah. Right. Right. I would say you know for me. Um, I, I was just using that, like I said, my grandpa's 30-30. And for when you're actually driving and if you're in a relatively tight area on a stand with just iron sights, to me, that, no, there's nothing wrong with that, right? That that has put down tons, yeah. of, tons of deer you over know, the that, centuries. If you, if you like the bigger rifles, a 30-30 lever action rifle is a really good drive rifle. Yeah, and it, there's not much recoil either. It's It's just, it's super handy. Yeah, I mean, it's not no um, long distance, like when you're stand hunting no. or anything, but it's a nice maneuverable gun and it holds a lot of ammo. And yep, and but like, but, yeah, but even on the same, you know, on the same drive, the same day, you know, if I was sitting in the ladder in a big open expanse like Dan's brother in law, where he tagged one from 200 yards, I wouldn't have been able to do it with that gun, right? All right, um, Dan or anybody, uh. How often do you see deer bed several hundred yards in a swamp with no islands nearby? He's hunting in northern Michigan. He says sees runs going a few hundred yards through a thick tamarack swamp uh, on the map. Um, yeah, they might be out there, but there's probably going to be some sort of structure if it's mature deer. When you go in tamarack swamps, you'll literally find beds everywhere. You'll find them on every hump that's dry. Mm-hmm. So it'll be confusing. But what you will find is that mature bucks will still pick certain areas in that swamp. And uh, usually it has to do with structure. So just like if you're bass fishing, it's a, you know, it's an edge, it's an island, it's a little bit rised up. You might, you might not hardly even be able to see anything with your eyes, but if you look from a distance, you'd see, oh, okay, well, that's a different kind of tree to cover there or a different kind of vegetation. Because it, it can be uh, seven, eight inches higher of elevation will change everything when you're almost at water level. Um, you, you know, um, I have found spots in those tamarack swamps where I can't even figure out what's different, but every time a mature buck ends up and he ends up in that spot. So you kind of got to uh, scout the sign and stuff and figure out where those deer are living and look for the mature bucks and mature buck sign because it'll be isolated in that swamp. But it's usually going to have to do with structure. But uh, I do find them in the middle of those swamps, um, real remote back. Um, but it usually has to do, again, with structure. All right, let's finish with one more question here. This is from Zeke, the, the, the little guy that uh, called in, Dan, and you got the hat from him. I um, almost wore his hat. I was wearing it earlier. Oh, really? <laughs> he wants to know, when did you become the big buck serial killer? When did you start killing bigger bucks versus average basket rack bucks? Oh man, I thought that was from birth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that uh, that's not a tattoo on my rear end. That was actually uh, <laughs> that's a birthmark. Oh, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, uh, I would say, uh, um, in my twenties, I started uh, really knocking down big bucks on a regular basis but so, you had I mean, that you had that in I your think mind everybody though, has right? a peak in their life too I, I don't really think uh people get it 
but I think you've got a period of uh, time in your life that's about 10 years, maybe 15, where you really have a peak period of uh, where you were the, uh, you've got that uh, boyish energy and you have that, uh, you're man enough to be able to, uh, you know, dedicate it to hunting or whatever. And um, there's a, there's a peak period of your life when you're really good at this stuff. I mean, when you get to my age, you don't have as much energy. You don't have as much drive. You don't have, a, you know, you don't have that uh, anything to prove anymore. Those young guys like the it Josh. Take, um, it, it takes a lot longer to mind too. something. He's going to kill it, you know? Um, yeah. Zeke, or, uh, probably at the prime age, he's got to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Put, put the time in. Yeah. yeah. You could do that. Like, uh, you're probably right, Dan, if you're talking about like the public land doing things kind of the hard way, or, you know, a lot of guys your age, Dan, just spend more money on it, you know, to kill big Correct. Right. Correct. Yep. So, which yeah, is fine, my, you know. One of my cousins is a, a great hunter and he, He's uh, done very well for himself in life after, you know, starting with, with nothing but a bucket and a broom of uh, tar. And now he has a big company. And he said to me, after talking to him about hunting, you know, he's got a, he's got an amazing trophy room with just about everything you can imagine. And uh, I've been telling him, you know, some of this B-style hunting. And he's like, uh, you should just spend $1,500 and get a lease. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, you're probably right, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's and, another know, thing. Oh, go Eric, ahead, Jeff. It, it's funny because Eric and I were talking a little bit about this different areas, and I got a friend up in Buffalo County and that. And That's where he's it, got a spot. He's yeah, got land up there. Yeah. Eric and I kind of had the same philosophy, and, and that's great. And everybody can – you know, I don't begrudge anybody for how, how they do. But doing it this way, for us, it's – it's. Um, I guess the reward is different for us. The challenge it's is different. The challenge is different, and the reward is different, and – um, I think Eric, I think you'd agree. For me, it's yeah. kind of addictive, right? Um, I had a, I had a buddy that helped me learn, right? And he, he said, I'll just spend, you know, sit in, the, sit in the woods. Eventually something like we said before, we'll walk past, you know, and I, I just couldn't do that. <laughs> so when I found the beast and then, you know, Dan's, uh, scouting workshops and all that stuff, it was like, no, this is, this is more me, right? I got to be on the move and, and finding stuff. And, a lot of, you know, again, that same buddy was like, you know, why, why do you do that? You know, you're not getting anything. And well, now I'm starting to get stuff. So, you know, it's no different than high school. A thrill is in the chase. Yep. It yeah. is. When you're chasing a woman down, it's the same thing. Yep. <laughs> yep. I got yeah. good friends that, uh, you know, they uh, they talk to beasts. They, they say they're beasts. They want to go do the beast stuff. But when it comes down to it, they just keep going to the same property and the same stands. And, you know, well, that spot's too far. This spot's too much work. When really just, you know, um, what makes me successful at my age is I just say, well, I'm just going to do it. And I just make myself go and do it no matter what it takes, no matter what the work is. Mm -hmm. um, you really think... just... Go ahead, Eric. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, it really does have to come from within. You have to have that want, you have to have that drive, and you have to have that passion. And I don't think that can really be taught. I think it just, it, I think it just has to be there. Yep. Yeah, I think he has that. Want can't the, be taught or bought. Yeah, the kid that, have it inside. The kid that asked Zeke, he seems like he really he has a passion for hunting. And like, man, if I could tell him one thing, is like, and he probably don't, he's only, I think he's only six, but it's like, buddy, like. 
also like with deer hunting comparison is the the thief of happiness like don't compare yourself to dan or no. anybody else you see on on tv because yeah. you're not them yep. um and you know <laughs> me or dan could kill uh you know four 150 inch deer this year and someone would say we should have killed waited for 170 inch deer you know i mean we get it yep. every time we kill a deer someone dan's 100 you know that giant deer you killed last year you know that wasn't good enough um and you can't let that kind of stuff uh people's judgment of you or or keyboard war keyboard warriors really um take away your happiness or your your cousin or your buddy or whatever that's telling you you know what you should shoot or what's supposed to make you happy so that's a really good point and that's almost one way of answering that question right when when should you start doing that or when do you start um killing big one well when do you really want to do it right when are you if you're enjoying what you're doing maybe there's no reason to change yeah. you know, those basket racks but if all of a sudden you sit in your mind oh i want to do that then do it and i think what your point josh was was don't worry about what other people think i know it's yep. hard you know when you're a little um when you're a young guy like zeke but don't worry about what people say on youtube don't worry about what you read you know yeah. you got to be you and uh it's tough when you're little to, to hear that and know what that means but as you get older you know you gotta you gotta find your own path and, and i i would i would tell him just enjoy the journey man he's young it's going to come with time and experience and enjoy every step of it because when you get you know dan and i age old <laughs> it's still fun but man it takes a lot more effort but yeah. he's got he's got a lot of good times ahead of him oh yeah, yeah. yep and it's it's good I, i'm glad you know it's good to hear somebody that young this excited about it yep yep Yep, we're all. I think everybody here is probably a little bit jealous of Zeke. He's just getting ready to do all the fun stuff that we've all yep. passed up already, you know. So oh, that's um, awesome. He's got he's got some great tools. I know his uh, obviously his dad is super active in it. I know he's called yeah. in a few times. Um, mm -hmm. So that's great um, that he has that mentor. But but just now the uh, the ability to to learn and the knowledge that's out there if he wants to soak it up is uh kind of unparalleled uh, from what it what it used to be you don't have to have you know some guy that was your, your dad or a friend or whatever that really yeah. knew how to do it you can uh you can you can learn a lot of stuff but but getting in the woods and just having fun is is number one and the rest will the rest will follow yep for sure all right guys we've been on here for over an hour and a half so this is a fun one i like getting the it was. yeah it's a good time yeah. thanks for yeah. having us appreciate it i don't know well, if everybody else liked it everybody but... yeah, yeah. People have to leave the comments on how they liked it, but yeah. uh, I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we had, I had a good time. I'm always nervous about getting a whole bunch of people on because it can get a little jumbled, you know, but we did, I think we did a good job not talking over each other and stuff. So, yeah. um, anyways, yeah, everybody, enjoy your family tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, happy you're doing Thanksgiving, your everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, yep. everybody. Uh, yep, we'll see you guys next week. All right, Bye -bye. have a good one. Right. Bye. Bye.